Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm glad to say I survived the great Facebook outage of 2021. Uh, I hope you all <laughs> I hope you all made it safely through it. I don't know how the hell we ever coped with this, uh, but we will come back stronger. The longest three hours. Now it was like six, dude. Or six? It was six. Yeah, they went out at like noon and then didn't come back until like 6 p.m. It, got... it was insanity. I got to say, though, uh, the memes on Twitter, real good. I got to admit, I wasn't really paying attention too much because we just yeah. got done recording the New York Comic Con preview episode, and I started trying to do promotion and run around get yeah. ready for the trip. Yeah. So I didn't really notice it was gone until later when I'm like, oh, this is weird. It didn't really post on social yeah. media. So. Yeah. Either way, we did make it through, and we're glad you made it through, too, because we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports because this is a sports edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we definitely want to connect with you, so definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They'll all be up and running that we know of. You can also check out the T Public store. There's going to be a sale going on this week. You can check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section to the show. Friends of the show, in the classifieds, the directory, so all that and so much more is odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod. But let's not wait any longer, shall we, Pad? Yeah. Let's jump into that sports recap. And you know if it's the NFL season, you know that we're talking locks and leaps. We'll recap the games that we were choosing who's going to win and who's going to lose. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so we're going to start with my lock. Uh, I chose the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Carolina Panthers at home, and this was despite – I've got to admit, I was feeling a little bit nervous about this one, uh, you know, on Sunday because I was watching uh, ESPN NFL Countdown, and they gave the stat that, you know, Dallas Cowboys had lost six consecutive games when playing against teams that were 3-0. Mm-hmm. And I'm like – Fuck. Yeah. Because Darnold playing real good lately. Panthers looking like a little bit resurgent. So I was sweating it a little bit, but I ended up winning. Uh and because Dallas won by the final score of thirty-six to twenty-eight. Uh Dak Prescott, fourteen of twenty-two for 188 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh Sam Darnold, twenty-six of thirty-nine for uh 301 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And then you got to give Zeke credit because hell of a game from Zeke. Uh, 20 carries, 143 yards, average 7.2 yards a carry with only one touchdown. Well, how about those Cowboys? Goddamn. You know, this is one of the weird situations when they show up, they show up big. Uh huh. And we know that we're always a little critical of them. Because of the division they play in, because, I mean, let's face it. Yeah. It's the NFC East. There's nothing that scares you there in any way, shape, and or form. Mm-hmm. So to see them show up against a team that is absolutely a contender, mm-hmm. and I have to give Carolina credit. I mean, the Sam Darnold move was a good move on paper thus far. It's and looking he, like. And he's shown signs of life down there. Yeah. But Dallas really wanted to implement its will. Mm-hmm. They had a big third quarter where they dropped 20 points unanswered. Yeah. So for this team moving forward, it is a big momentum getter, yeah. if I can use that term. Yeah. Because what Dallas needed to do is hang with the teams that are really tough. 
the ones that are going to be contenders. I mean, obviously, they had a great showing opening week against Tampa Bay. Oh, sure. But the big question is, how would this team match up? And especially, how would that defense stand up? Yeah. And they have a player on that defensive side uh-huh. by the name of Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. Who has five interceptions in four games. Yeah, five interceptions he's got, which is good for first in the NFL. He's got eight passes defended, which is good for first in the NFL. And then he's got 13 solo tackles. So the man's playing real good. Uh, he is a second-round pick. Uh, he's in his second year uh, out of Alabama. Yes, and he is playing lights-out football, and he is a spark that that defensive need, that defense needed. The defensive side of the ball has always been the suspect area of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Offensively, listen, we know they're loaded. Yeah. If Dak's behind center, you got Ezekiel Elliott, you've got a wide receiver core that is top of the league, if not the top of the league. Yeah. So you need something to counterbalance. And the one knock that we've had on those Cowboys is they don't have anybody on defense. But now with Diggs stepping up and becoming the leader of this defensive squad, yeah. which I'm sorry, you make plays, that's kind of how you earn that title. Yeah. This team is starting to look like the contender we thought they might be. Yeah, and you definitely got to give credit to Diggs. And I know we where we were watching the game, somebody brought it up, and I didn't have time to look it up, so I looked it up. They brought up the fact that he was a wide receiver in college, and then he got converted to a, de- a defender. You know, and then and so I looked it up, and he and in fact he was. You know, okay. I'm, I'm looking at his college stats. Uh, you go to receiving, he was he he's got some receiving stats from the 2016 season where he caught uh, 11 balls for 88 yards, one touchdown. He averaged eight yards a catch. You know, but then there's nothing after that. So, but he does have uh, defensive stats for 2016 as well. But you know, defensive stats for 17, 18, and 19. So it does look like at some point in 2016 he might have been playing both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. but then they just converted him to a defender fully in 2017, and it's looking like because I'm looking at his stats from 2017 on, you know, and in terms of interceptions, it's done in 2017, one in 2018, three in 2019. It's looking like it's taken him a couple of years to get used to what to do on the defensive side of the ball, but now it's finally clicking for him, it would appear. You know, and that coupled with his knowledge of what a receiver might do or might not do in certain situations is paying off dividends. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is such a huge win for the Cowboys, and I want to say this is the move that might, and I know it's a little early fantasy booking here, sure. but this might be the player that gets them over the hump. Yeah. That we focus so much on their offensive side, we really have not seen Diggs light up as much as he has, and this game was the prime example. Even when he was not catching interceptions, he was still making plays on this side of the field. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need is somebody to really lead by example. Yeah. The Cowboys look like they have it going. I mean, obviously Parsons had a great game too. Oh, yeah. But this is where the Cowboys are really going to have to shore up that defensive side of the ball. And with this showing they put against Carolina, it started looking like maybe they're in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not ready to crown them just yet. No. But from what I saw, they shut down a very good Carolina team. Mm-hmm. And they did what they needed to do to win. I mean, got, granted, the fourth quarter, I think there might have been a little more garbage yards yeah. going on yeah. for Carolina to, get, to make the game a little closer. But the takeaway from this is Dallas is for real. Yeah, and it was definitely one that I think they had to prove themselves just because they had that week one loss against Tampa Bay. But your defending champs at home, banner getting raised, that's a whole other animal in and of itself. They beat the Chargers by three points in week two, so definitely a good win for them. Blew out the Eagles at home by 20 points in week three with Philly. Who the hell knows what team's going to show up yeah, for, exactly. for them? You know, So this was a game that, like, okay, you really need to prove yourself because you've played a good team in the Chargers. You've played a, a so-so team with Philly. 
you know, so beating Carolina, starting to, like, I'm not, like I said, you said, I'm not ready to crown them, but you're making the right steps. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I think they're for real, but I'm not fully ready to co- put the official stamp of approval on them. Sure. But moving forward, this is a big win to build from. Yeah, and they got some interesting games coming up. They've got the New York Football Giants uh, this coming Sunday. After that, they are playing New England up in Foxborough. And then after that, they've got some interesting games playing Kansas City, the Raiders, and the Saints in back-to-back-to-back weeks. So that's a tough road ahead of them. Uh huh. And then for Carolina, well, this is something to learn from. Yeah. I mean, they did scrap, so I will I will give them points. And like I said, I think they got some garbage yards yeah. and points in the fourth quarter because the game was already pretty much out of reach. But it's still a loss they can learn from and oh, they yeah. can bounce back. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know you got their schedule pulled up ahead. Yeah, so this uh, coming week they're uh, at home playing the Eagles, and then the following week they stay home to play the Vikings. After that they play the Giants, Falcons, Patriots, Cardinals, uh, Washington, and then Miami to before their bye week in week 13. So definitely some work for them to do moving forward. Oh, God, I just looked at the end of their season schedule. Holy fuck. So they come out of the bye week, they play Atlanta again, and then here's their final one, two, three, four teams. Up to Buffalo to play Buffalo. Mm-hmm. At home against Tampa Bay. Down to New Orleans to play the Saints. And then down to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Oh. Win early because I don't like that that final stretch for you. Uh-huh. Just putting that out Gee. there. But, hey, this is what the good teams do. They win early, and then they kind of have to coast later if they need to. But you want to make sure you clinch early and often because – the end of the season, you never know how teams are going to shape up. Mm-hmm. You got some teams who might be in it already that you can coast against, but then you also got some other teams who were close or out that are looking to play spoiler. Yeah, fully agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and then for my leap, and I know you took this as your leap as well, uh, we both picked the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Denver Broncos, and they did by the final score of 23-7. to uh, Lamar Jackson had 22 of 37 yards for 316 yards, 22 of 37, excuse me, for 316 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Drew Locke, uh, who came in for an injured Teddy Bridgewater, uh, had 12 of 21 for 113 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. Well, we had an idea that... Denver was kind of playing with borrowed time. Mm-hmm. They were playing a little above and over their heads a little. And when the Ravens, when they're on, they're on. And when we saw this was going to be a leap, I had to do a double take. Uh-huh. Because the Ravens are a lot better <laughs> than Denver is. And yeah. this game obviously proves it because they played head-to-head. Yeah. But this is where the good teams show up. And for Denver, look, it's nothing against Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, but I don't think either of those guys are the ones to really take this franchise moving forward. No, they're they're definitely guys that you know won't take you to the Super Bowl, won't take you far in the playoffs, but they're they're a bridge towards whatever your next quarterback is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And for Denver, I think they, I know it's one loss, but still they're in one of the tougher divisions as it's shaping out to be in football. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to really bounce back strong from this and really establish an identity. That I mean, you take a look at who they faced previously. Oh yeah, for Denver they faced the New York Giants, who yeah. are one and three. Yeah, one of their one and three. They faced Jacksonville, who's zero and four. I want to say yes. They faced the New York Jets, who are one and three as well. You know, and now they face Baltimore. You know, so going into this game though, you know, the Denver Broncos. Oh my God, they're three and zero. Look at how good they are. You know, it's the meme of Homer Simpson looking all thin, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and lost all that weight standing in front of his wife, Marge. But then you look behind him and it's all of the excess, you know, body fat, clothes pinned together. They faced three teams that were combined 0-9. Exactly. So Denver is better than those three teams they faced. There was no question about that on paper. Yeah. We know that. The Giants, listen, <laughs> they're very suspect. Mm-hmm. The Jets, no comment. Yeah. 
So to and Jacksonville, I mean, listen, they've they've already had enough of a rough week. I don't need to say anything more about them. This is true. Denver did what they should do. They're a better team. They should win. But this is the first real competition they face, and they got exposed. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. The fact that this was even so close as a point spread is mind blowing to me. But Lamar Jackson had a great game. Yeah. And went into hostile territory and won. And they definitely established their will and they weren't afraid to run the ball down Denver's throat and they had no qualms about doing it until they felt they wanted to stop. No, yeah, I definitely looked at the score much in the same way or the point spread much in the same way you did and I went, wait, seriously? Yeah. Because you look at the team, we mentioned the teams that Denver Broncos played, the teams that the Ravens had played, they played the Raiders in that barn burner of a game week one and the overtime loss. Mm-hmm. They went into Kansas or they went uh, at home against Kansas City and beat Kansas City for the first time in Lamar Jackson's career. Yep. They went down to out to Detroit and beat Detroit by the gift of Justin Tucker's leg. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've played some pretty damn good teams and almost beat one of them, you know, in, in the Raiders. You know, so they were definitely more battle tested, I would say, than the Denver Broncos, who let's face it probably again no offense to the jets or giants jags i'm like you i'm leaving them out they've had a rough week enough but the giants and jets in certain instances i don't think could beat the top four college football teams no they're that bad so denver you know can handle the the lower tier but listen this was the first quality team they had a fight Mm -hmm. and they lost they lost outright yeah there was nothing they could do to really stop Baltimore. Baltimore just, even with as bad of a run game that they have, because obviously they've been plagued with injuries, Yeah, they still put up yards on the ground. And that is the biggest takeaway I would have for a Denver team that is known for their defense more than their offense these days. They were getting ran over. And the fact that Baltimore just went in, did what they needed to do. Like I said, it was very systematic. There wasn't mm-hmm. anything really super flashy about it. No, I know there was a little... Uh, trash talk post game between the coaches and listen if that's your only highlight that's not saying a lot no because denver did not do their job baltimore did and now the ravens three and one yeah looking like playoff contenders yeah looking pretty good uh the next couple games they've got they are at home against the colts on monday night this coming week uh after that they stay at home to play the chargers uh and then they play the cincinnati Bengals before they have their bye week in week eight Mm. but then the second half of their schedule very loaded uh, with some decent teams and then a lot of uh, in-division games because they've got the Vikings, Dolphins, Bears, Browns, Steelers, Browns again, Packers, Bengals, Rams, and Steelers. Well, we know that AFC North is going to be tough. There, yeah, I would say Baltimore, get your wins early because you might take a pound in the uh, second half of the year. Well, whoever comes out of that AFC North is going to be pretty banged up. Yeah. Because that is a very, very smash-mouth second, division. Second stringers will be getting some work. Yeah, smash-mouth to the core, so... For Baltimore, get those wins now. And for Denver, well, we'll see what you do moving forward. Mm-hmm. So let us go to my lock. <laughs> and I I feel bad saying the word lock right now. Yeah. Tennessee, you had one job. Uh-huh. One very easy job to do, and you couldn't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, not having Julio Jones or A.J. Brown doesn't help. But still. Yeah. Who, do, who are you facing? The New York Football Jets. You had Derrick Henry. Like, all you got to do is give him the ball. Uh, which they did 33 times. Still, I wouldn't even tried passing. I wouldn't have. The fact that Tennessee, one, went to overtime, yeah. and two, lost in overtime. On a field goal. 
Yeah. Pad, just break the game down. Yeah, so the Jets won by the final score of 27 to 24 in overtime. Uh, Zach Wilson, 21 of 34 for 297 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Ryan Tannehill, 30 of 49 for 298 yards passing, one touchdown, zero interceptions. And the, like I mentioned, Derrick Henry had 33 carries, but only 157 yards. Uh, averaged 4.8 yards a carry, only good for one touchdown. Uh, on the receiving side for Tennessee, he had definitely had some good ga- uh, games from Jeremy McNichols, uh, who had eight catches, 74 yards, no touchdowns. Chester Rogers, five catches, 63 yards, no touchdowns. Josh Reynolds, six catches, 59 yards, zero touchdowns. Stop me if you've heard any of these names, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the flip side for the Jets, you know, nothing special out of their own game. Michael Carter, 13 carries, 38 yards, one touchdown. Uh, receiving game had a pretty good uh, day, though. Uh, Corey Davis four catches 111 yards average 27.8 yards a catch uh one touchdown keelan cole three catches 92 yards no touchdowns uh jameson crowder had seven catches 61 yards one touchdown you know so i think this was just a case of because it wasn't like one day aj brown went out and then the next day or a couple days later julio jones was out no it was like the same day it got announced that neither of them would be playing on sunday Mm. and i was like well that ain't good you know i'm like i'm not going near that pick for, for locks and leaps. But then I know we were out watching the Buffalo game and, and we saw the score of the Titans and Jets game and I, it was you or Rich went, how the hell is, you know, the Jets hanging with Tennessee? And I go, oh, I remember. And I remembered. I'm like, oh, wait, Julio and A.J. Brown aren't playing. So they're just stacking the box against Henry and going, here, run against us. And ordinarily, that wouldn't even stop Tennessee. I don't know if they even bought too much into their own hype. Maybe. I, I really think they did because trying to analyze this game i'm on Mm nfl.com and i'm looking and i'm showing pad as we're talking so i'm looking at the stats right so we see sure tennessee i have up here the stats i'm even going to passing yeah i can't see zach wilson Uh, well i mean i've got his stats here but yeah no i see what you're saying like i'm sorry the jets are not good no are they jacksonville bad they're close it's close it's close yeah but I, i will say this Tennessee, for being the Super Bowl contender that we all thought they were going to be, even down wide receivers, should have won this game outright. Oh, yeah, because you look at who they played. They lost week one to Arizona, which Arizona is very good right now. They beat Seattle in overtime. Uh, They beat the Indianapolis Colts in week three, and then they just lost to the Jets. So it's like, okay, first game, honest coin toss. You never know. Mm -hmm. Good win beating Seattle. Good win against Indianapolis, but then you lose to the Jets? Yeah, it's just I'm puzzled by it. I I really am because watching the game when we did, like Derrick Henry was having a great game, the Jets were moving the ball. So I don't I don't exactly know how you describe that, mm-hmm. other than it was not flashy. It was a gritty performance. Yeah, I mean maybe it was just the case that the Tennessee defense had a bad day because Mike Rabel, defensive player, forward defensive player for the Patriots and, and under Belichick. Normally his defenses are very good. They're not yeah. they're not shut down, locky down defense, but they're normally very good. Could have just been an off day for the defense because like I said, I think the defensive plan for the Jets was stack the box and stop Henry, try to let the other guys beat us over the top because again, you look at the stats Derrick Henry had 33 carries and only got 157 yards. That's telling me they stacked the box. Here, you want to beat us? You're going to have to throw it because you look at the other side. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight receivers in double digits Yeah, for, for Tennessee. So that's telling me the Jets just stacked the box. And, hey, you want to beat us? You're going to have to beat us with a bunch of no-names. And I'm just shocked that they couldn't pull it off. I really, I really am. Because, I mean, before the season, Tennessee did not exactly have a wide receiver core that scared you. No. 
but they would still get the job done. But you also had Derrick Henry. For the Jets to put up this performance, I'll give them their due. Mm-hmm. They showed a lot of grit, and they stayed in this game even when they should have been dead to rights out of it. Sure. I'm sorry. Like, they, they should have. And I wasn't too impressed personally with Zach Wilson's body language, yeah. especially in that overtime. I know he was on the <laughs> sidelines really complaining about the one ball that did not go in. The oh, zone, yeah, you know, yeah, he was, yeah. He was yeah. arguing out of bounds about. Yeah. I didn't see a lot to take away that, like, the season's turned around and to feel good as a fan. Yeah. I mean, for Jets fans, yeah, you won, and congratulations. Like, I'm, I'm you happy. Feel, you feel good for a week, but in all honesty, it was probably a fluke. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I didn't take away, like, okay, we've turned the corner. Like, this kid's going to be the real deal. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't see it when I see him play. So even though I've seen some Jets with that take online. Oh, I know. But, you know, for, for them, it's a Super Bowl win because, let's face it, when your team is bad and you get a win over a really good team, celebrate it. Yeah. You got six days to do it. Then it goes away. So it was also the first time in like 10 plus years that the uh, Jets and Giants both won on the same day. The last time they did that, Yankees won the World Series. Well, let's hope that happens. Just again. Uh, that needs to happen. Because that would be the only way I can justify this egregious loss. Because for <coughs> Tennessee, this is a bad loss. Yeah. I don't, and I don't care you didn't have your wide receivers there. You still have enough talent to beat a very, very bad team. And you failed to do the job. And for the Jets... Congratulations. I I don't know where you go from here because it's not going to be the playoffs. No. Uh, next week they are traveling over across the pond. They're going to play the Atlanta Falcons over in England. Oh, uh, God, that's the London game? That's the London game. That's next week. Okay. And, and then they got a bye week in week six because, hey, jet lag. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got a long stretch because after that they play from October 24th all the way through January 9th without a day off. Uh, and then they play the likes of New England, Cincinnati, the Colts, Buffalo, Miami, Houston, Philly, New Orleans, Miami, Jacksonville. Oh, my God, this end of the season run. Uh, they've got New Orleans in week 14. They've got Tampa Bay in week 17. And then they've got Buffalo to close out the year in Buffalo. Good Lord. Well, we'll have to see what they're capable of doing. I mean, they could they play spoiler? Sure. Yeah. I will even say this. They'll give the Bills a run for the money because. Division game. Division game. But other than that. I'm not seeing anything on here that's screaming like they're going to be contending. They might they might get a couple wins here and there. Yeah. But from what I saw, and even like I said, Zach Wilson did not impress me. No. I, I, and I know it's still early in his career. It's only four games. I get that. But still, I didn't see enough that he really took it to a better team. No, yeah. I mean, I, he looked good. But when you've got a defense that, from all intents and purposes, looked like it was playing as bad as Tennessee was, even Uncle Rico could have a good game. Exactly. So for the Jets, hey, celebrate it. Yeah. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on you. Yeah. I'm not going to hate on you. Yeah. Just celebrate for six days, and then it's going to go away. Yeah, and then Tennessee, they got an interesting schedule coming up. Uh, this coming week, they're down to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Then they've got Buffalo on Monday night, Kansas City the week after. Good luck. Uh, and then they've got the Colts, Rams, Saints, Houston, New, and then New England before their bye week in week 13. The only thing you can really say about this is for Tennessee, I would say this is a big wake-up call. Uh-huh. And you can't take any game lightly like this is the about, the, about the only game you could probably take lightly is Houston because they're real bad. Right, but even so, that's a division game too. Like oh, yeah. it's a weird scenario they're in, but I think that this is a big wake up call for them. And that and yeah, and, and the thing I'm noticing too with looking at a lot of these schedules for a lot of these teams, a lot of teams are going to be taking a lot of lumps just because of some of the teams they're playing in consecutive weeks, like like Tennessee. Buffalo, Kansas City, Indy, who ain't no slouches, mm-hmm. you know, and then they've got the Rams in consecutive weeks, and then they've got the Saints, you know, Houston, and then New England. Yeah. Like, you are going to take some lumps, folks. Exactly. There's no easy road to the playoffs, and that's why if you're a really good team like Tennessee is, 
you can't afford to take a loss like this to the Jets. And, th- and that's what I think any fan wants to see. I don't think any fan wants to see their team coast into the playoffs on an easy schedule. Tell- they want to see them take some lumps and really prove themselves like, hey, we deserve to be here. Yeah. So for Tennessee, we'll see how you bounce back from this. I'm sure they will. Oh, yeah. Not against Buffalo, but I'm sure they'll bounce against some other team down the road. Yeah. But since that was – we shared leaps here, I want to pick a game of the week. Sure. And I know this one you had circled too uh-huh. because – Tom Brady came home. Yeah. And this, I will say, a lot of takeaways I got, but Pat, why don't we read off those stats? Yeah, so uh, Tom Brady made his triumphant return to New England in uh, grandiose fashion and won by the final score of 19-17. to 17. Uh, Tom had 22-43 of 43 for 269 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Mac Jones had 31-40 of 40 for 275 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, and also got a note, Jacoby Myers uh, continued his perfect passing record, uh, going 2-2 two of two for 45 yards, no touchdowns <laughs> or interceptions. I, a lot of takeaways from this, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest one, Mac Jones is for real. I would have to agree. I will have to eat some words because you know my feelings about Alabama quarterbacks sure. coming to the pros. The kid is the real deal. Mm-hmm. The fact that he hung in there showed so much poise. When uh, Tampa Bay was blitzing the shit out of him. Uh-huh. He hung in there. He took some hits, and I will give him that. But at no point did I thought – he was looking out of place. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he was ready for this job. Yeah. And he knew he had his hands full because Tom Brady, the GOAT himself, returning home, has been the buzz all week. Yeah. If you follow the NFL or sports, everybody has been talking about this. Mm-hmm. So for Mac Jones to really step up and have the performance he did yeah, is something Patriots fans need to be excited about. Yeah, like I said, the stat line might not be the greatest, two seventy five, two and one, but doing the eye test, he wasn't afraid to lead the team down the field. I don't blame Nick Folk for missing the kick. No, because it was a tough kick to do, and plus they were saying his planter foot was hurting. Planter foot was hurting, wind and rain and the whole nine. He'd had a thirty six uh, consecutive field goal or kick made streak going, but none of them were from that distance. You yeah, know, and, I, and I, the one ESPN writer I follow who covers the Patriots, Mike Reese, I believe his name was, said that he was just making them from that distance in warm-ups. Yeah, so it's not really on him. Jones no. did what he could, but you know, you have to give credit to the Super Bowl champs. I mean, Brady went in, in there, and my second takeaway will tie in with this. Yeah, He went in there with a purpose, Yeah, but his ego almost got him caught out there. Uh-huh. That Listen, I understand that there's the headlines there, and whatever you want to say – In front of the cameras is one thing, behind the scenes is another. We knew that you had this as a grudge match against Belichick and Kraft. We we get this, and you know what? They did too. So Uh trust me, there's no angels in this little discussion we're having. Everybody wanted to go after everybody, but when your ego got to the point that it almost cost you this game. Uh Uh-huh, and it damn near did. Yeah. You have to really put that in perspective that you're lucky you got out of here with a win. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, late in the game, it was 17-16 New England. Uh, Tampa Bay got the ball back and went down the field and eventually got to the point where they were, it was like, uh, where is it here? There it is. It was third and six on the New England 40-yard line. Brady made a and, uh, follow me on this one and, and see if you notice a pattern here. Brady made a shot and completed a short pass to Antonio Brown uh, for eight yards. After that was a Leonard Fournette, uh, Leonard Fournette run. Uh, then you had a timeout taken by New England. So you got second and eight on the New England 30. Tom Brady, incomplete pass, deep right to Antonio Brown. 
uh, Tampa Bay, or excuse me, New England, New England took another timeout. So you got third and eight on the New England uh, 30. The page keeps jumping on me. Here we go. Uh, you know, and that's so third and eight on the New England 30. Tom Brady passing complete deep right to Antonio Brown. Yeah. Like taking three deep shots deliberately to Antonio Brown, who is a good receiver. Mm-hmm. But you've also got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are very good in their own right. You did that to stick it to New England and tell them you shouldn't have cut this guy. Look at how good he is. Yep. Because you almost blew that game. It was his ego. And listen, all great players have egos. Don't even say they don't. The most humble one knows they're good, uh-huh. and they just don't talk about it. Yeah. Brady went in there with a mission, and he wanted to say that New England South, because of so many Patriots to play in Tampa Bay now. Yeah, pretty much. Was better than the team up north. And he wanted to make a point about Antonio Brown, too. And this is almost cost you your game. This was a little bit reckless, and I was surprised for a second that he did this because we usually see Brady more composed. Uh huh. But let's face it, the emotions of coming back to your old team after 20 years. Yeah. He got caught up in it. No, yeah, he de- he definitely got caught up in it, and I definitely think the emotions and the noise and everything rattled him because he got held to no touchdowns. Yeah. Which does not happen very often. And the fact that it was seven to six at halftime. I think just goes to show you how rattled he was. And and I definitely think, you know, he's got to give all the credit in the world to Leonard Fournette. You know, 20 carries, 91 yards, you know, 4.6 yards a carry. Like, if he is not the number one running back in Tampa Bay, you know, Bruce Arians is a goddamn idiot because he was – now, granted, I will say, New England's rush defense has never been good over the years. I don't mm-hmm. care who's on that defense. But still, he was running at will all over that New England defense. You know, and then the receiving core did what they did. You know, Mike Evans, seven catches, 75 yards. Antonio Brown, seven catches, 63 yards. Chris Godwin's three catches, 55 yards. You know, and, and you got to give credit to the Tampa Bay defense, you know, especially the run defense, which, we, listen, we knew the run, their run defense is very good. The New England leading rusher was Nelson Aguilar, who had four yards. Yeah. You know, they were not going to get any positive rush yards on the defense. But I think you got to give credit to what Mac Jones did that he, for, like, I listen. I wanted him to do good. I never want a guy my team drafts to not do good. Oh, I, sure. I always want to see him do good. But with all the hype that was coming out of out of the training camp, and especially Dante Scarnecchia, who was our O-line coach for all of like half a century or something absurd like that, you know, saying, oh, this kid's, this kid's the guy. He's got it all. And I'm like, all right, if anybody's blowing sunshine up my ass and doesn't mean it, it's Scarnecchia. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone praised and shut up. I'm like, you know, how good is two-minute uh, offenses in the fourth quarter? I'm like praising everything. I'm like, I want to believe it, but I got to see it for myself first. Yeah. He's finally proven it to me because there was some wild stat that he's like the first quarterback in NFL history to have like a 70% plus completion percentage in the first four games of his career. Yeah. It's a, in, in the entire NFL. It's a wild stat. It, it's insane, you know. So I def- And I got to give credit to the New England defense because they held Tom Brady to no touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And this is, but mind you, without Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. who is still out with his injury and is, uh, I think, out to like week six or seven. You know, so the defense played phenomenally, especially, I, for, I forget, I was one defender, J.C. Jackson, who I think was draped on Antonio Brown, that entire final drive that where uh, Tampa went down and got the game-winning field goal. You know, the defense played really well. They stepped up. Belichick had him ready to go for oh, this yeah. game. They understood the game, too, and they did not want to take the back seat that as much as Players are still friendly with Brady. Listen, this was still a rivalry game of oh, yeah. epic proportion because of the legacy left there. When the star quarterback that builds that dynasty up leaves, you know that there's going to be some very awkward feelings going on, oh, to, put yeah. it, put, to put it very mildly. Oh, yeah. But the team stepped up. This was a heavyweight bout. There's no question about it. 
And I don't even care about the record one in three. The Patriots are for real. Yeah. If anybody was questioning about how they were going to do this season, look, they might not win the division. Yeah. They might be outside the playoffs by a game, yeah. possibly because of just how everybody else shapes up. Or they might sneak in that last wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, because I'm looking, they lost to Miami week one, 17-16. That wasn't a bad loss. That's in division, you know. Yeah, division, divi- divisions you can mark as division. They beat the shit out of the Jets, which we talked about. You know, the only bad loss I would say they had was week three to the New Orleans Saints, you know, 28-13, to 13, where they just didn't have anything going. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only bad loss. Because even this, I wouldn't say is a bad loss. You held Tom Brady to no touchdown passes. Like you, you, you it was seven to six at halftime. It was three nothing. It was three nothing after the first quarter in favor of Tampa Bay. And I went. There's no like much in the same way they were playing Kansas City last year, and they held them to like it was like ten to three or something at halftime. And I'm like, this ain't gonna last. You need to score because this isn't gonna last. Same thing here. Um, you know, three nothing after the first quarter. I'm like, you need to score. This isn't gonna last. Tom is gonna figure this shit out. Yeah. You know, but. Hey, they, they defense stepped up. Defense stepped up. They did their job. So moving forward, this was a good learning experience for them, and they'll yeah. definitely flip those lessons moving forward. Yeah. As for Brady, I think he's just happy to be done with this game. Yeah. That now he can get back to doing Brady things. Yeah. And I know that they're going to make their march back for the Super Bowl, and they're looking in good shape. Like I said, yeah, they're, they're looking in good shape. The only thing that I will say is they did get bit by the injury bug in their secondary and defensive side a yeah. lot during that game. So yeah. yeah. I don't know how that's all going to shape up. Yeah, but so they got a couple interesting games coming up. They've got Miami this coming week. Uh, after that, they play Philly, the Bears, and then the Saints, and then they've got their bye week in week nine. So definitely a lot of football left to be played for those teams as well as mm-hmm. the rest of the league. So doing a quick recap, Cincinnati took it to Jacksonville 24-21. Not even going to touch that game. Yeah. No interest. Kansas City dropped 42 on Philly, even though <laughs> Philly got 30, but a lot of that was garbage points. Yep. The Giants... Somehow, some way, went into New Orleans and won in overtime. Ugly. Danny Dimes, baby. Oh God, that was just a bad game. That was a that was a terrible game. Yeah. Cleveland had a gritty win against Minnesota, fourteen to seven. Yep. The Bears beat Detroit, twenty four to fourteen. Buffalo beat a Triple A team in Houston because I listen as a Bills fan, I would love to talk about how great that win was, but listen, the Texans fucking suck. Texans are awful. At halftime, they all they were beating the Chicago Bears record for fewest yards per play uh, from like a week ago at point six. Yeah. At halftime, the Texans had point six yards per play. It it was atrocious. It was not fun watching the game at one point because the Bills were just running all over the place. Mm-hmm. And what else can you really say about that one? That's a good win to go into Kansas City next week. Yeah. But other than that, there's nothing worth talking about there. Indianapolis defeated Miami 27-17. to Washington beat Atlanta because who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took another L. Yeah, they did. That was a game they could have won, too, 34-30. Seattle surprised and defeated the 49ers 28-21. to mm-hmm. Arizona. Yeah. 4-0 now. Yeah. Defeating the Rams. How are you feeling about that one, Pat? Uh, they're looking real good, I got to say. You know, 4-0, winning by a final score of 37-20, winning handedly, I must say. You know, only remaining undefeated team in the NFL, beating the likes of Tennessee, the Vikings, Jacksonville, and now the Rams. Got a couple interesting games coming up. They've got the 49ers uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, they go out to Cleveland and play Cleveland the following week. Then they play Houston, Green Bay, the Niners again, Carolina, Seattle, and then they got their bye week. You know, so they're they're looking real good. I gotta say, yeah, definitely impressed with what I saw there. Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things. Yeah, he did. 
defeating Pittsburgh 27-17. Safe, uh, 248 yards passing, two touchdowns, ho-hum. Yes, exactly. Another day at the office for him. And then closing out the week, the L.A. Chargers defeating those Vegas Raiders. And I will say this. If Vegas had played a first half, they would have won that game. Can I just ask one thing? How the fuck do you have a, a weather delay in an indoor stadium? Lightning. I get that, but they're indoors. So Still, the roof was closed. I think it wasn't closed at the time, uh, and they had to close it, so that's what the delay was. No, like, I, I, I saw that update, too. No, yeah, I saw that, and I'm like, wait a minute, they've got a dome. Like, I presume that the roof is is closed. Like, I even saw the video of the ref explaining it to John Gruden, and John Gruden having, like, a puzzled look on his face and looking at the roof like, wait a minute, how the hell are we having a weather delay here? I think that, yeah, they were in the midst of closing it when it was starting, so uh, that that is what I'm, I'm guessing at, because gotcha. I had the same thing, too, because I was like, they got the dome, but... I mean, unless it was still in the process of closing, because those, those are not exactly like automatic no, garages like, no. that close in 30 seconds. No, like I know the one in Seattle for the Mariners takes like 10, 15 minutes to close. Yeah, so I think it was the same thing there. And you have to be impressed with the Chargers. I never thought I'd be saying this, but that was a great win for them. Yeah, only losses uh, for week two against the Cowboys. They've beaten the uh, Washington, the Chiefs, and the Raiders. And the scariest thing about that is that game was a winnable game. They just started screwing around with bad yeah. penalties at the end. Yeah. They almost got caught out there, though. I want to say that. Yeah. But the Raiders did not show up that first half. They played atrocious. Mm-hmm. They let the Chargers jump out to a big lead. Yeah. And when Vegas finally turned it on, it was too little too late. And that's the sad thing because I thought the Raiders looked really good. Hunter Renfro. Yo. If you're not familiar with him yet. Oh, my Lord. He must be the diamond in the rough that nobody is talking about because this kid goes out there and just balls. Oh, my God. Read that one play like a book. Yeah. He is seriously a player to watch on that Vegas roster. And if if the team matched his intensity, I think they'd be doing a lot better in that first half. Yes. But like I said, they let Herbert jump out to a big, (laughs) big lead and – they did come back, I will say, but it was just yeah. too little too late. And at the end, it was just Derek Carr was trying to press too much and just didn't get that opportunity. Yep. Plus, they also let Herbert jump down the field, and that last-minute touchdown was the seal, the game killer, even though the, the one kid missed the field goal for the Raiders, I, yeah. I, which I don't blame him on. He, he put a lot of leg into it, just happened to miss, and then yeah. you know you give that much field position, yeah. it goes away. Chargers fans were happy about that one. So was the one dude in Vegas who I saw on Twitter had a 10-team parlay back going and needed the Raiders to win on the money line to cash in $125,000. Damn. Uh, and so he did. That's impressive. Salute to you, sir. A lot of football action going on in the NFL this week, but hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from week four in the NFL? We want to have that discussion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So this past weekend, 
going into Monday was the WWE's draft. Yeah. Where they like to reshuffle the deck of their rosters for Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown, respectively. So, Pad, you've got the lineup of who got drafted where, so let's break it down, shall yeah. we? Yeah, so I'm going to be reading off uh, the results in terms of the day they occurred. So I'm going to be reading the Friday results first, then the Monday results, and I'm going to be reading them in order of uh, uh, brand. So I'll be reading off Monday Night Raw first. Uh, you had drafted there uh, Big E, so he's sticking with Monday Night Raw. You had your first brand switch uh, in Bianca Belair being switched over to, from SmackDown to Monday Night Raw. RK Bro in Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. He had Edge uh, getting drafted over to Monday Night Raw. Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. sticking over on Monday Night Raw. Keith Lee sticking with Monday Night Raw. Then you had Ray and Dominic Mysterio coming over to Monday Night Raw. Uh, you had uh, Austin Theory uh, of your first call-up. Uh, or no, your, sorry, second call-up as it occurred. But first call-up for Monday Night Raw from NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also had the likes, and this these were announced after the show was over. Uh, Nia Jax, Drake Maverick, Reggie, uh, Zelina Vega, Akira Tozawa, The Alpha Academy, R-Truth, John Morrison, Dewdrop, T-Bar, Apollo Crews, and Commander Aziz uh, taken to Monday Night Raw. Uh, and then for SmackDown, you had Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair coming over to SmackDown, Drew McIntyre uh, coming over to SmackDown, The New Day and Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Uh, coming back over to SmackDown. Happy Corbin and uh, Mad Cat Moss uh, sticking over on SmackDown. You had Hit Row uh, coming Hit up from NXT. Hit Row. Yeah, and then you had uh, Naomi, who I believe was on Raw, coming over to SmackDown. Uh, Jeff Hardy uh, coming over to SmackDown. And then announced after the show was over for SmackDown, you had Aaliyah, who uh, we know Mike C is very happy. Yes. Uh, Tony Storm, Drew Gulak, Mace, Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor all taken to SmackDown. Okay, so initial breakdown from this. A few moves stick out. The biggest one for me is Hit Row. Especially that high. Oh, man, that's huge, and I'm so happy for him. That is one of the best factions in wrestling going on right now. They are entertaining as all hell. Yeah. And trust me, they just need to get that spotlight, and they are going to run with it. If you have not seen Hit Row in NXT, they are phenomenal. So this, especially being the third pick overall, or uh, third rounder, yeah, that's huge, like you touched upon. Yeah. I wasn't so shocked at Charlotte Flair coming over to SmackDown. No. I think she needed a good change of pace, especially being as dominant as she was on the storylines around the title belt on Monday Night Raw to switch her over to SmackDown, I think definitely helps. Yeah. I think it kind of alleviates... a little of the congestion they have up there. Yeah. I was surprised to see about Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Hey. Especially that early. Yeah, but, there, you know, Corbin is very solid. Like, listen, you can say what you will about him, but in the ring, he is a very solid worker. Mm-hmm. Madcap Moss, listen, they want to run with this gimmick of, like, the Rat Pack, Swinger yeah. style of Vegas. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Like, I, I, I'm not hating on it. I just, it's not my cup of Java, but I get it. Very surprised to see them drafted as high as they were. Yeah. But I know they really want to push it. I know that they were teasing the whole Naomi versus Sonya Deville storyline. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how that all shapes out. Uh, in the Jeff Hardy move, I wasn't super surprised at because no. one thing that he's been very vocal on the different interviews I've seen him in, he really wants to wrestle Roman Reigns. Yeah. And I don't know if they've done that before. No, I don't think so. But that's like his before he leaves the WWE. And I'm not saying he's going to AEW, but just went before his contract runs out. He wants to have a match with Roman. He might have tagged with him at some point, but I don't think he's ever wrestled him one-on-one. It's not ringing a bell, so obviously hashtag ODPHPod if you want to correct that. But I think that would make sense. In fact, I was even talking with Rich from 3FN about this as well. 
you know how they want to do like a feud usually leading into Royal Rumble, so it's not like a major one. Yeah, but yeah. why not plug in Jeff Hardy yeah, there? Could, yeah, you could do that. Like I think that that would make a lot of sense. On the Raw side of things, nothing really jumped at me too much that I was like, whoa, about. Except Austin Theory coming up from NXT. That was a surprise. That was a very big surprise because he's been kind of the henchman of the way, the Johnny Gargano faction. Yeah. But I feel as I'm watching NXT, they're flipping it where they're going to plug Dexter Loomis in that role. Yeah, I'm thinking so. And that makes sense because those, obviously... Those vignettes are so fucking good. Oh, yeah. That's one of the most entertaining things in all pro wrestling oh right God. now. Oh, my God. So I understand that. And you know what? To get him back up to the main roster, let him do something. Don't pair him with anybody. Yeah. Let him be a solo act right now because I know when they've tried doing the factions with him, he gets very lost in the shuffle. And, sure. I, and I think that's not fair to him. Sure. He's talented as all blazes. Even show that little charisma with him and Jeff Hardy. Which I think is what he's going to do for the couple of weeks until these. Because that was the one thing with the draft is normally the draft happens and they take effect immediately. But because they've got the crown jewel pay-per-view set to take place in like two weeks or something like that. Uh, you know, two weeks this coming Friday. Uh, you know, the draft uh, results aren't taking place in effect until after that. So I think, but with NXT, that's not the case. They are there now. Mm-hmm. I think that makes all the sense in the world, you know, to introduce them to fans, especially on main roster who make or fans who only watch main roster stuff. They don't watch NXT pair them with somebody that, you know, fans enjoy watching and Jeff Hardy, you know, yeah, prime example, prime example, you know, fans still love seeing Jeff Hardy. You know, it's a good, it's a good matchup. I'm definitely down for that. I think that's cool. And the other one that really jumped out to me and I'm, I'm so thankful for this. Yeah. It looks like they're finally done with retribution in any way, shape or form. Yeah. T-Bar being split up from Mace. Listen, we need Donovan Dijak back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say the Ring of Honor name. I'm not even going to say the NXT name. That's the guy I want to see back in the ring. That's the one. Feast your eyes and let him feud with Keith Bearcat Lee. And I'm da- like, listen, that could be the new fight forever. I'm good with that. Yeah. They have great chemistry together. I'm just happy that he's going to get a chance to finally shine on his own on the main roster. The retribution gimmick failed. It was that was dead on arrival. Just because you know they announced the whole build up and then the way they came in, you already had comparisons being made to Nexus and when that came out, you know it, it just didn't work from the beginning. You know and oh the, we got these guys coming in and wrecking shop every week and tearing the place apart, but we're gonna sign them to rosters to contracts and and then we're gonna draft them to an exclusive roster like it just. That was just a ball dropped uh, massively. It was just a. I understand creatively they want to try something different, get edgy, but it just failed. Yeah, it failed on every front. Yeah, it lasted way too long. The only thing noteworthy is the legend of Slapjack. Yeah, let's never forget. Yeah, so good. Let's say so I'm good. A little pissed off they split up New Day again. Well, you know, God damn it. But I'm also wondering if they're gonna pull like a late man shenanigans and bring him back. Maybe. Like that's the only thing I could think of. Like only or the only other thing I can think of is there. You know how like a couple years ago we had Shield versus New Day. Maybe they're going to set up for uh, New Day versus, uh, what is it, uh, Hurt Business, mm-hmm. cross-brand. Yeah, I mean, there there's ways to write that off. But I I would say with the New Day, we can definitely see that happens at some yeah. point and, and definitely run with that somewhere. Yeah. But then let's go to night two, shall we? Yeah, so this was night two on Monday. And again, I'm going to be reading them down by brand. Uh, you had Becky Lynch uh, switch over from SmackDown to Raw. Didn't even wait for them to announce it. Came out to open the show and announced it her goddamn self. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, they t- uh, retained Bobby Lashley. You had the Monday Night Rollins is coming back. Seth Rollins. Yes. Taking over, coming back to Monday Night Raw. 
so the drip on Monday night just got increased tenfold between him and Johnny Drip Drip. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Damian Priest and the United States Championship sticking on Monday Night Raw. Uh, you has it also had AJ Styles and Omos uh, staying on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens coming over from uh, SmackDown to Monday Night Raw. Same with the Street Profits, also with Finn Balor. All coming over to Monday Night Raw. Then you had Karrion Cross stick in there along with Alexa Bliss. Carmella coming over to Raw for the first time since the brand split. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, she's been uh, on SmackDown the entire time. And then uh, the last one that was announced on television for Monday Night Raw, once he's done with school, Gable Stevenson, which surprised to no one. Well, you know what? Actually, I was a bit surprised. Oh, yeah? I would say this. for I'm not surprised he's coming to the WWE because obviously they made a very big public deal about him signing sure i thought he'd go to nxt first Mm, okay but this tells me one thing they must be really really impressed with what he's done so far professional wrestling wise or he just might be like that far along in development and like where he's at skill set wise that he doesn't really need it well that's that's another thing too like i'm the fact that he said that he's drafted to raw yeah right as soon as he's done with school I thought that that was very, very telling. Okay. Because for somebody that's coming right out of the collegiate level and the Olympic level, yeah, he must either be the next Kurt Angle out the gate or he's got it already. See, I thought he was going to go to SmackDown just because that's the A show. Let's face it. You know, the ratings are higher. But then I was like, wait, no, that wouldn't make sense. He'd get lost in the shuffle and, and the whirlpool that is Roman Reigns. Yeah. Nothing against Roman Reigns, just... You got this new hot face that is coming off of a very, you know, noteworthy career collegiately and at the Olympic level. You don't want to stick him on Monday Night Raw and have him get, or uh, excuse me, Friday Night SmackDown and get lost in the shuffle with Roman Reigns because, hey, Roman runs that show. Absolutely. You know, you know so, yeah, no, him coming to Raw definitely surprised me. And, and But I think the case just could be he's that far along that they're like, well, you know, the only instance I can think of in recent memory that wasn't a guy returning. You know, and there's been even a few instances of guys returning like Drew McIntyre. But, like, in terms of, like, new faces coming over to WWE for the first time, the only ones that I can think of that didn't go to NXT first and just completely bypass the main roster, bypass that to the main roster because, hey, they didn't need it, were AJ Styles and then uh, Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. Even the other guys, Finn Balor, Shinsuke, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, as good as they are, all went to NXT. You know, he just might be, he just must be that good or Vince is that high on the man. Well, I think he's very high on him. I mean, that's you can't take anything away from him. Like, that's the thing. He is gifted as all gifted, an yeah. Olympic athlete. I am just shocked that they're going to bring him up right away. Like, yeah. I, like, I felt like maybe just a quick run in NXT might have done him some good. Yeah, maybe. But, I, but NXT is getting loaded with so many new faces. Maybe yeah. that's why. Yeah. But that one really jumped out at me yeah. for being kind of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and then some uh, names that were announced after the show was over on Raw Talk for Monday Night Raw. Dana Brooke, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. Jackson Riker, Veer, Liv Morgan. Uh, Mia Yim, Tamina Snuka, Tegan Knox, who's getting split up from Shotzi Blackheart, which is a goddamn shame, I'd say. Yeah, I was not happy with that. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, and then The Miz. Well, this one, nothing really was jumping out super, like, flashing lights, except they broke up Shotzi and, and Tegan, which yeah. would, I, I kind of understand that to a degree. Yeah, and then they also, you got to fear they broke up Natalia and then Tamina. Yeah, but I think that that team ran its course. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that wasn't one that I thought was going to stick around long term. I think they just paired them together and kind of saw where they ran. And, hey, former tag champs, you can't yeah. go wrong with that. Yeah. Mia Yim, though, getting her run on Raw, I think is going to be big. That's, that's real good. I'm happy. I'm super happy about yeah. that. And the Hurt Business is back. Yeah. <sighs> no, Let, I mean, let's th- go. this one, especially for Raw... 
once you had some picks announced, even from Friday night, you kind of saw where things were going. Becky came out and announced she was coming to Monday nights. I was like, well, that means Seth's coming to Monday nights. Yeah. And then you got to figure Friday night once Bianca was announced for Raw. I'm like, well, that means uh, Street Profits are coming to Monday. You know, but no, definitely some cool draft picks. Uh, and then switching over to Friday Night SmackDown, uh, in order they had uh, the Usos uh, sticking with uh, Friday Night SmackDown along with Sasha Banks and then King Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Uh, so uh, definitely going to have Pat McAfee happy about that one. Yeah. Uh, Sheamus switching over from Monday Night Raw to Friday Night SmackDown along with Shayna Baszler in that real good new gimmick who's just breaking arms left, right, and center. Yeah, she's back to being a badass. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you had uh, the f- uh, a call-up from NXT, and this one definitely surprised me, and I'm happy for her, uh, Xylee. Yeah, being the very fir- shocked at that. And and posting on, in- on either Twitter or Instagram, I forget where I saw somebody shared it, uh, being the first Chinese woman on the WWE main roster in history. That's awesome. Good, good for her. Yeah, you know, like I say, the gimmick that she's doing down in NXT – I wasn't a big fan of, but I do like her ring ability. Yeah. Like I've seen what she's done between the ropes. She's and great. I she's great. I so. say she was in two uh, Royal Rumble matches, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Real good. Yeah, no, I think she's got time to shine. Like, as long as they get her away from that Mortal Kombat gimmick, I yeah. think is I think is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you had the Viking Raiders uh, drafted to Friday Night SmackDown, so they were switching over from Monday Night Raw, along with Ricochet. Uh, you also had Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza uh, over to Friday Night SmackDown. Cesaro sticking over with uh, Friday Night SmackDown. I believe this one, next one was a call-up, uh, Ridge Holland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really surprising. He's been the big, strong heavy for Pete Dunne, yep. Dunne in NXT. Yep. I was really surprised that they called him up. I mean, he just came back from a very bad injury. Yeah. But good for him, though. Like, yeah. I'm very interested to see how he's going to match up. Here. I, I'm definitely surprised about that one. I know there were rumors that Walter might have gotten drafted in one of this. Oh. That there were rumors persistent throughout the day. So maybe wires just got mixed up and people communicating some potential news. Uh, you know, Walter was not drafted in this uh, because he was. I guess he was spotted in the U.S. at some point the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, I think he. I think he's been in the U.S. for undisclosed reasons to me, but yeah. not like I need to know. But I think that he's been around. I think if they were going to move him anywhere, they'd move him to Raw. Yeah. I don't think they want to have him and Roman on the same show because... Not yet. Not yet, but... Not yet. You go, oh my God, you imagine that match? Give it to me. <laughs> Give it to me. But him, like I said, him on Raw, I could definitely see at some point. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last pick of, that was on advertised or announced on the show, and, and he was definitely thinking there was some conspiracy going on, even going so far as to say, is my name even in the draft pool? Uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, and then some names that were announced after the show was over uh, on Raw Talk. You had Shotzi Blackheart, Natalia, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. So this draft really helped Raw out more than anything. I'm not saying it was bad for SmackDown, but I'm very happy of what I saw with Raw. Yeah, because no, Raw, too. Raw needed a lot of help. Raw needed a shot in the arm, even though I will say this. They've gotten a lot better in recent weeks since the NFL came back. Yeah. The shows have been very, very good. Mm-hmm. Big E as champion is working, and the whole New Day versus Hurt Business feud, I wish they gave more time to. Yeah. But I understand they didn't, and I'm kind of very interested to see how that's all going to shape up, especially with the Street Profits now coming back to Raw. I know that wasn't mentioned on there. Mm-hmm. That To see how that's going to you know, get mixed in their tag team division, which I think sorely needs a shot in the arm too. Yeah. I raw, I think got a very good grade out of this. And I'm going to say SmackDown did okay too, but SmackDown didn't really need a lot. No, they didn't. And you got a couple of interesting names left over as quote unquote free agents. Uh, They can be quote unquote signed uh, at any point uh, in order here. Brock Lesnar, Bailey, Oscar, 
John Cena, Undertaker, Eva Marie, uh, Elias, Grand Matalik, Lacey Evans, Lindsay Dorado, Shane McMahon, Shane Thorne, and then Titus Worldwide. Well, I mean, I have no interest in seeing Shane Thorne. No. But the legend of Slapjack, I'm here. Don't ever forget the legend of Slapjack. This is true. No, but uh, this kind of gives a little more wiggle room about where the creative team wants to take the wrestlers. Yeah, especially because Bailey and Asuka are both injured right now, so they're waiting to come back. Lacey, I believe, is still I, – I don't know if she's had her child yet or is or is about to. Yeah. But you got to figure the, in those instances it's just a case of, you know, where they want to put them creatively leaves them free. Uh, once they're able to wrestle again, and then they can just pencil them in or write them into a story. Well, I think, though, it gives a little excitement to the WWE going into the fall and push towards Survivor Series. Obviously, we know that's going to be Raw versus SmackDown. Yeah. So that's going to be something big to watch. And just how everybody shakes up. I mean, there wasn't any real moves that I was unhappy with. Like, I thought, like, oh, this is a bad move. Sure. The only one that I would say jumped out to me that I thought they should have broke the team up and sent one of them to SmackDown, and mm-hmm. that one is uh, AJ Styles and almost. Okay. I thought they should have broke him up and sent AJ to SmackDown. I think that that would have been a good move because I think almost is ready to take that jump as a single star. Maybe. I Like, in my opinion, I think he's he's there. So I thought they should have ran with it. But I understand that they didn't. And listen, it's only more beneficial to almost if they don't think he's fully ready to have that singles run yet to keep them together. They might be waiting for that until Mania. You know, have a match with, you know, have them do the inevitable split up with the team right before Mania, you know, and then have a match with AJ Styles and uh, almost have a match with AJ Styles at Mania. Really give almost, if you're really that high on almost, give him the rub and have him beat AJ at Mania. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that. I have no yeah. issue about that going yeah. down. But overall, though, Pad, the draft, final thoughts on that? Well, it was good. You know, it was good to see, you know, because I I, I do watch Raw more than I watch SmackDown. And that's just because I'm busy on Friday nights. I, I catch Raw and reruns, you know, on, on Hulu and then, you know, the highlights on YouTube. But I do try to tune in with Raw mostly just because that's what I've watched more over the years. Um, so it's definitely good to see Raw get better, you know, and, and get a shot in the arm that was desperately needed. You know, because nothing against the guys and, and girls who were on, on Raw. It just wasn't doing anything for me, and I was by and large skipping it lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, with the additions, especially Rollins, Edge, Becky Lynch, you know, even Bianca Belair, and, and even Street Profits, God almighty, there are some great matches and great potential for some stuff on Monday Night Raw now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Raw got some sorely needed help, even though they were going in the step of the right direction to begin with. Mm -hmm. So for them, I thought it was a big win. And for SmackDown, they didn't need a lot because they've been the flagship show for so long now. I mean, it's transition. It went from Raw to SmackDown. Yeah. But I do like the fact Shayna Baszler's over there now. Uh-huh. I think that she's going to do big things that oh now she God. she can really get a run there. So the only question I got is somebody's going to be turning face very very soon in that women's division. Not, not Shayna. I was going to say it's not Shayna, but you got Charlotte, Sasha. You really have to kind of have somebody have a breakout mm-hmm. that can really be the face of that women's division. Just yeah. and I mean like faces and heels. Yeah. So. But they have a, such a stacked division there, too. It's going to be very impressive to see what they do. I'll say, you know, one good matchup we get on Raw now, Hurt Business for Street Profits. Oh, sign me up. Yo. Sign me up. Give it to me. Oh, I can't wait to see that. But that is not the only big wrestling news going on this week. Oh. As we head into Wednesday, October 6th. Pad, do you know what day that represents? Uh, that's the day we're going down to New York uh, right before Con. Well, that, too. But it is the two-year anniversary show of AEW Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Hailing from Philadelphia. So they have a very, very solid card for that show. All right. So we have, I'm assuming it's going to be the main event. But listen, it's always AEW. It could be subject to change. (laughs) Card subject to change. The Elite 
So we're talking Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, and the Young Bucks will be taking on Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Christian Cage, and Brian Danielson in an eight-man tag. Okay. We have Sammy Guevara defending that newly won TNT championship mm-hmm. against one Bobby Fish oh. forbidden door Ooh. working. So that one got thrown together really, really quick. I'd say so. We also have Hikaru Shida taking on Serena Deeb, and this is going to be my match of the night. Okay. I believe that Sheeta is one win away from 50 wins in AEW. Wow. So this is going to be a great match, though, regardless. Good for her. I'm super excited to see this match. And then the one that I think is generating the most buzz. We're having a casino ladder match for right. reasons. Yeah. But what is very interesting is the winner of this match is going to get a world title match. Okay. So the lineup we have for this match that is announced, we have Pac. Andrade El Ido, mm-hmm. Moxley, okay. Archer, mm-hmm. Matt Hardy, mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy, yeah. and the Joker. So that's the wild card. Yeah. So with that being said, Pad, do you have any guesses about the wild card? Who's the current champion? Is it still Kenny? Yes. Okay. Uh, the wild card, well, it's not. Let's just get this out of the way. It's not Bray. Unless Bray got an early release. Which... Listen, he didn't show up at the Rochester show. He ain't going to show up at this one uh, because his no compete is still up through the end of the month. So it's not going to be Bray. Um, hmm. I'm going to guess it's going to be some. It's uh, uh, mm, This is a real shot in the dark. This is a real leap. Okada. I tell you what, if it's Okada, social media will break. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess it's going to be somebody big from Kenny's past in New Japan. Dude, if that happens... Social media will lose it on Wednesday night. And you're because tr- they're teasing the shit out of this. Even me, who doesn't really watch AEW and doesn't really follow them on any social media, I'm still seeing stuff about how much they're hyping up this, you know, casino ladder match and then the Joker. That, like, they're talking about it like a week or two out. Well, the thing about this is, for being the two-year anniversary show, and we have to applaud them yeah. for doing this. I did a, a blogs count anywhere doing a quick recap of the history of AEW Dynamite. I feel that they really want to put a big moment for the two-year anniversary. Oh, you have to. and uh, Yeah, rightfully so, because last year, I think for the one-year anniversary, it kind of fell short. Well, given the circumstances of this time last year, understandable. Yeah, which, like I said, I'm not faulting them, but yeah. I think for like yeah. how the card was stacked up, because yeah. at the beginning of uh, end of last year, you had the beginning of the John Moxley-Kingston feud. Yeah. This, though, I think if they go with the Joker, the smart money would be Hangman Adam Page. Yeah. Because we know he took time off for reasons. Mm-hmm. So it would be a great way to bring him back. Yeah. Just I personally wouldn't want to see him come back in this capacity because what I think would be the smart play for him is him come back, reignite the feud against the elite. Yeah. And go right after Adam Page or Adam Cole, Adam Cole rather. Baby. Yes. Well, I mean, th- they missed their golden opportunity, you know, having him interfere with the, the, the tennis tennis. Uh, match or whatever the hell it was that Arthur Ashe. Yeah, yeah. You know, having him interfere with the Kenny Danielson match there and, and put it, setting up the match at full gear. That was that was a golden opportunity. Yeah, which I mean, unless they really want to force him to go back into the title picture. Which listen, they had the best storyline they had going in AEW with Page's run for the belt. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I wouldn't be mad about it if they did. No. But you're kind of in this weird scenario where you have Brian Danielson hanging around Kenny Omega. You have to run back their match because they went to a time limit draw. Right. So how do you plug and play everybody there? Do you go with a triple threat at full gear, their next pay-per-view coming up in November? 
that's going to become a big question mark if it is Page because if you see Page come back for this, he's going to win the belt mm-hmm. or he's winning the match. Like there's no question in my mind about it. The only other X factor you could have is if somebody else signs and comes in. Bray would be an early release, but like you touched upon, I think if he was going to get an early release, it would have been Rochester. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him coming here, but it's, it's, you have to throw that possibility out there. It'd be a big way for him to debut. Yeah. So, I don't know if necessarily be him. I could see it being somebody like a Braun Strowman. Mm, maybe because we know Braun has been long cleared, and he's he's been teasing on social media along with his massive muscle gain. Christ, oh goddamn mighty! Yeah, um, he's been teasing. He's got to have an announcement or what he's doing in the future soon. Yeah, so I mean, it would, it would be big for him to get in. But then again, like I say, you get an automatic world title match, so you're you're plugged right in. Yeah. So depending on what you want to do storyline, it's kind of up in the air about who's going where and doing what here. I wouldn't mind seeing Andrade win. No. I, w- I really wouldn't because I think that to have him run it back against Kenny Omega, they had a great match at AAA. Yeah. Kenny, uh, Andrade would be good. I just, I'm just my, and maybe this is just my fantasy booking taking over, having it be Okada and then being like, I want my shot at All Out. And you give that time to set it up for All Out and just go nuts. A full year? Yeah. Holy shit, Pat. That is some crazy booking. I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. They can do, they between them and New Japan, they could do a lot of crazy stuff. If they want, if they if everybody plays ball together, if they do, I wouldn't mind seeing if it was Will Osprey. Yeah, because I know he's in the states right now. Yeah, or Jay White. I tell you what, if that happens, well, so, so I, I can't think of any like recently released WWE guys who are like other than Bray. We mentioned is still on his no compete until the end of the month. Braun, but the other ones, I'm like, I can't really think of anybody that would like. Oh, this is this is the guy. This is who it would be. Yeah, and they've already kind of rumored to not be interested in signing Murphy, right? Because I think he would have been a great addition. But yeah, yeah. Fandango, we know, is getting ready to appear in uh, GCW. You know, they have made that. They put out that vignette, but I don't think that is going to be it. No, I don't know. Like, I it'd, it'd be cool for a cup of tea, but then afterwards, it's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I just I don't know how they're going to match it up, and I I don't see Orange Cassidy winning this. I even though that I know fans would really love to see it. I would. Yeah, I mean him. You know who I'd love to see actually sneak in there? Dan Housen. <laughs> Masvidal. Oh, I'll tell you what, Masvidal's teasing. I think we might see him in a wrestling ring sooner than later. I'm just I got that feeling. Him and Jericho possibly at full gear, but either way. Two years of dynamite is going to get capped off this Wednesday night on TNT. So we'll definitely be live tweeting about this as well. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. We gave you a lot of wrestling to digest. What is your thoughts about the WWE draft? Who do you like going where? And who do you think is really going to be flourishing on their brands moving forward? And AEW is celebrating two years of dynamite. How yeah. you, how you feeling about that, ODPH Society? And who's your pick for the casino ladder match? I definitely want to have that conversation. So let's get a quick breakout, and we'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD, all right? Oh, wow. For Hansel, Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have DVD. Yeah. Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it, somehow. Foreplay. Yes. She's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked out the park, which is why it's my number three. Oh! Oh. I mean, I wouldn't beat it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, you would have one. It has one? You would have three lines of dialogue. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, I'm a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Oh, I love 
Anyway, we're not Phoenix too. Uh, so, no. So no. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't okay. in a hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, I'm not finding the arrangement of them very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for that local minute? Yeah, I'm going to talk about something because I uh, came across the wire uh, just the other day here locally. If you were in the area, definitely something to check out and something to applaud. Uh, starting on November 6th at 7 p.m. Uh, at the Veterans Memorial Arena here in Binghamton, we do have uh, hockey back in Binghamton. Hey! With the, uh, the new hockey league and the Binghamton Black Bears making their new season debut here in Binghamton. But they've already started out with a good foot forward, and I would say my opinion, offering free season tickets to youth hockey players. Hey now. Yeah, so reading an article courtesy of one of the local uh, news stations here in our area, quote, the Binghamton Black Bears are giving away free season tickets to youth hockey players in hopes of growing the game in the Southern Tier. Players with the Southern Tier Hockey Association, specifically the Ice House Hawks and the Binghamton Blizzard, will receive free season tickets. We really want to make an impact on youth hockey in the area, and this is a great way to start, said Black Bears owner Andreas Johansson. Uh, the Southern Tier Hockey Association, Ice House Hawks, and Binghamton Blizzard do amazing things to help grow the game, and we hope this is the first of many ways we can help. Uh, details on how youth players can redeem their tickets will be announced soon. So definitely a good good move on their part. Very cool move. You know, I know it's going to be a bit of a tumultuous thing here in the area, just with the way the uh, AHL left the area and the, and the Devils left the area, but you got the team coming in. Hey, listen, we know we're not everyone's first choice, but we're trying to put a good foot forward. Yeah, you know, that's a good way to try getting people in the seats. So, you know, I can't argue with that too much. No, absolutely not. Uh, And then switch over for my base. Got to talk postseason baseball because because as we record, it starts tonight. Uh, You've got the AL wildcard game starting tonight between the uh, Yankees and the Boston Red Sox up in Boston after the bonkers batshit crazy uh, Sunday where there were 17 different possibilities of how the final four spots in the American League wildcard could have played out. Uh, there was at least one of them where it was a four-way tie, and given how the season was going at the end of the year, I was convinced that's how it was going to go. Glad I was wrong uh, because the Yankees walked off it. The Yankees pitching staff, the final game of the year, uh, where they were (laughs) playing the Tampa Bay Rays, the Yankees' offense was given a gift on a goddamn silver platter in that they held the Rays to no runs, which is very hard to do these days. Yeah, it's insane. Especially with a lineup that includes Nelson Cruz, of all people. Mm. Eight innings. No goddamn offense, you know, and, and and this was with, you know, at one point Boston was losing, the Mariners were losing, the Blue Jays were blowing the shit out of the Orioles, but, you know, they only could get in through shenanigans. So I'm like, listen, you were getting a golden opportunity here. Score for the love of God. Aaron Judge helped the Yankees walk off into the playoffs. So you've got the Yankees and Red Sox playing each other in the wildcard playoff game. Uh, they will play, uh, whoever wins that will go on to play the Tampa Bay race who have got the number one seed in the American league. You've also got the Chicago White Sox taking on the, uh, Houston, uh, Astros cause fuck them. Go, go White Sox. Yep. Uh, over on the national league side, you've got the LA Dodgers playing the red hot St. Louis Cardinals who have won, who won like 17 plus games in a row. 
or something absolutely That's crazy. Something absurd. Like, like they've got a franchise record wins in a row. It's insane. They're playing each other in the playoff, uh, NL wildcard playoff game. That takes place on Wednesday, October 6th. Uh, that's at 810 on TBS. Uh, and then for the other matchups with L.A. and St. Louis, whoever wins that is going to go on to take the take on the San Francisco Giants, which good fucking luck. Yeah, exactly. They're red hot. And then on the other side uh, from your 2-3 matchup, you've got the Atlanta Braves taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, I'm hoping the Brewers sneak out of there. Brewers will be Brewers would be a nice story. I just think Atlanta is way too good. Yeah, I think Atlanta is completely Atlanta, stacked for a good run. Atlanta is way too good. Uh, I think the Yankees are going to win tonight as we record against the Red Sox uh, because one, JD Martinez is not playing, and also Chris Sale mm-hmm. uh, is not playing is not on the roster for tonight's game. So they got a real good shot there. Uh, you know, Gio Urshela after making the catch of the goddamn year on Sunday. If you don't believe me, look it up. Uh, is playing for the Yankees. I think the Yankees will be able to beat Boston and play Tampa Bay, but I don't think they'll be able to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is just way too good. Uh, uh, the White Sox have been real good all year. They've been hot, so I think they'll be able to beat Houston. Uh, so I think it's going to be Tampa Bay and Houston in the LCS. I think Tampa Bay is going to beat the White Sox because, listen, Tampa Bay has been real fucking good all year. Yeah, I think it's going to be Tampa Bay to make it to the World Series. And then over on the other side, Listen, St. Louis is red hot. I think they're going to shock everybody and beat the Dodgers uh, and advance on. I think the Jets, so they'll play the Giants. I think the Giants will win that matchup. Uh, And then I think it's going to be Atlanta uh, coming out of the other LDS matchup. Uh, So it'll be San Francisco and then Atlanta and and LCS. And I think San Francisco is going to beat the Braves. And so I think it'll be Tampa Bay and San Francisco in the World Series. And I think it'll end up being San Francisco. That's a that's pretty probable. I would say both teams I could definitely see getting there. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that curveball in there, and, you know, I'm going to say anybody but Houston in the AL because, because I don't even care. Um, I, I'm i going to say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to say the Yankees are going to somehow sneak in there All because, right. you know, reasons. All right. As would be them in Milwaukee. Milwaukee would be good. You know, why that's, not? That's old school. Why not? Just take it back to the old school unless you really want to go Atlanta, New York. Yeah. Take it back to those days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's storylines there. Dodgers and Yankees. That's old school too. I was yeah. gonna say Dodgers and Yankees Saints would be or St. Louis and Yankees. There's a lot of good matchups there. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna want to do something for ratings. I'll say if anybody can't like win, the baseball karma will yeah, affect this. Yeah. I should say rather. Uh, if if the Yankees can't win, I would like to see Milwaukee win because win one for the Yuka. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'd like to see. But playoff baseball kicks off tonight as we record. Go Yankees! Facts. And then we go from there with that. Yep. So for my base, there was a little bit of UFC news. Okay. Uh, this past week, we had the announcement that Dustin Poirier mm-hmm. is now going to be facing Charles Oliveira for that lightweight title. Ooh. So that is scheduled to be going on December 11th. Okay. So we'll have to kind of wait to see how this plays out, but it was tweeted out by Dustin Poirier that he is confirmed to this, so everybody involved is saying they're in. I know that there's kind of some speculation about what, our favorite uh, Charles Oliveira was going to be doing. Okay. Listen, this fight makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we weren't sure if Poirier was going to try running it back with Connor because of reasons. I mean, the reasons being a good paycheck, so I can't yeah. argue that too much. But this is actually a really good move. I like to see this. I mean, this is a fight that should have happened in the beginning, but I'm not mad because now with Poirier, it, after this, it'll be kind of interesting because if he wins... Does he want to make a deep run? Because you know I would suspect he's going to get the winner of Chandler and Gaethje in November. Mm-hmm. That's going to be lined and loaded. Plus, I know that the lightweight division is just getting deeper. And, I mean, Poirier is not exactly a spring chicken, as we say. Facts. So, and at least in the fighting world. He's definitely got a lot of tread on the tires, so it just depends on what he really wants to do at this case. Either way, he's tweeted out that he's accepted the fight. I'm excited to see it. 
And we'll have to see what happens on December 11th. So definitely stay tuned for that. Facts. So that all be inside, Pad. Music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf. Oh, he decided that he is releasing some new music. Uh, Nickelback cover. I hope. That'd be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Far away. Uh, no, but we're going to be getting something from him, I'm hoping, relatively soon. But if I want to find out everything going on with Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Tom Jolo. Shout of the Robots. Yard Party. Floodlands. All the amazing groups you hear on the ODPH week in and week out. You also swing over to the directory, where if you want to find the ODPH on your favorite podcast platform, the links are right there. If they're not on the front page, they are right there. So drop that follow. Drop that subscribe. It's free. You can hear all the content you need, and you'll be very, very happy to do it. And we'll be happy for you, too. You can also head over to the Classifieds, which have Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, because if I say it once, I say it a thousand times. If you claim that you're in a pod group, and your group is not represented on Podchaser, you're not in a pod group. So that being said, shout out to the Apocalypse, shout out to the Inner Circle, and of course, shout out to hashtag 607podcast and our good friends over at 8122productions.com. All of that, parlay points going on this week. New blocks getting dropped before we head to New York. The T Public Store sale is supposed to be getting kicking off this week as well, and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. Uh, it goes without saying, fuck the Astros. But Bronxy the Turtle, I can confirm, is at Fenway Park for the Yankee game tonight. So that means the Yankees buy a million. Protect him at all costs. Facts. You know, get him a little Pope Mobile to go around Fenway because it's going to be a hostile crowd tonight. But that's the way we like it for Boston and the Yanks. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.